1: Hello and welcome to the Voices of the Vic podcast with me, Mike Duffy. And as you can see tonight, I'm joined by Joe Thomas. Yes, that's right. We're here to talk about Watford's first league game of the season away from home. We travel to the Bet365 Stadium where we had a brilliant time there last season. Uh, Slavin Bilic's first game in charge of the Hornets, winning 4-0. So hopefully we can get a similar result this time round. Uh, but like I said, I am joined by Joe. Joe, how are you doing this evening? You all good, mate? Yeah, good. Thanks, mate. Yeah.
0: Looking forward to another exciting podcast, talking about uh, hopefully a game that we're going to
1: pick up another three points this week. First game away from home. Exciting. Absolutely. Yeah. Fingers crossed. Let's hope the... Uh, I, I know it's, this is our first league game away from home. Uh, the first actual away, competitive away game. I didn't quite go to plan. Uh, but hopefully this storm it's a bit different uh, i just want to say as well um obviously we we experimenting with a, a pre uh, podcast video apologies about the sound at the start there i didn't click a button <laughs> so if you if you're watching and thinking there's no sound i'll hold my hands up to that but i, I believe we got it sorted in the end um but let's dive straight into it before we talk about the stoke game uh, i just want to say as well we will be get, uh, being joined Uh, by Ben Rowley. So if anyone has been listening to the podcast for a long time, um, then they will recognise that name from when we spoke to Ben during the lockdown season, when we did um, our regular feature of getting opposition podcasts on. Um, So Ben will be joining in about five or so minutes to talk to us from a Stoke perspective. But before uh, Ben joins us tonight, um, first things first, it's, as usual, being quiet on the Watford front in terms of transfers, any movement. A couple of rumours, uh, which me and Joe will touch on in a minute. Uh, the first thing I want to mention is um, this feels like, uh, A, he already had his contract terminated, and B, a long time coming. It's been officially announced tonight that Ignacio passetto has mutually agreed a contract termination. Um, Joe, other than his debut, where he saved the ball from going in by millimetres, it's not quite worked out for Ignacio, has it? No, it's a bit of a shame, really. It was um,
0: everyone was quite optimistic when he came in. Again, one of those where we um, we saw a lot of cool videos on YouTube of him and um, and stuff that he'd done at previous clubs, and then yeah, it just didn't quite work out for him, did it? Unfortunately, so um, yeah, like you say, the only thing of notability was Spurs at home, where he stopped the ball going in in the dying seconds, and we got a. An important, well, I say an important point. Um, we got a point um, that day, which was great. And then, yeah, we didn't really. I think he played in what, maybe two or three other games that season, and just sub, maybe started a couple. And then that's it. I think they said it was one thousand three hundred and eleven
1: days. Um, He's been at Watford. I think I read somewhere. So yeah, the uh, <laughs> I'd, I'd be interested. I probably should have done a, a little bit of homework on this actually, but I'd be interested to see. Quite exactly how many minutes he's played for Watford, um, and unfortunately for him as well, you know, he's everyone talks about that Tottenham game, and you know, yeah. there's a lot of jokes about him being a Watford legend because of that. But it's unfortunate because ultimately that point ended up meaning sod all because we went down that season, which is a which is a shame. But I think Joe, you read an article the other day about and, uh, uh possibly moving where was he you saw he was uh, it was it was somewhere in spain i think it was yeah um, that a was it Her- 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 correctly i think it was yes what? yes it was actually um so who knows you know he, he may well move there but joe 180, uh, 181
0: minutes sorry to cut you up, like it was that's how many minutes he played for and <laughs> it was uh yeah, 1,311 days he spent at the club. So, yeah. Wow, 81, didn't
1: didn't didn't even, wow. Yeah. 81 minutes, that's two games <laughs> <laughs> Wow, well, the less said about that, the better. But I suppose on the flip side, Joe, it, it's good that we're getting rid of these players. You know, we, we've talked on the podcast in previous weeks about how good it is to see these sorts of players going. And Pusetto's another one, you know, how many years have we held on to him? I mean, since we got relegated... This is what the third seat, or well, we got this is the fourth season we're going into since that yeah. relegation, and we've we've still kept hold of him for no reason. So it's good to see we're being proactive in getting rid of those players, isn't
0: it? Yeah, definitely. And um, obviously, we I kind of put something in the group the other day, didn't I, about wages. And there was a lot of rumors that he was the second highest earner in the club currently. Um, that's crazy. So if that's true, then yeah, that's a big, a big wage that's gone off the bill. So, you know, who knows, that may be. That might free up some wages, maybe for two two positions for us coming in. You know, obviously there's been a lot of rumors about a left centre back um, and obviously a striker. Maybe just potentially, it could make the quality of player that we're getting coming in maybe that little bit better with with him gone off the um, off the wage bill. But then at the, at the same time, obviously I, I would imagine with the contract cancellation that they probably had to pay him something. So yeah. You absolutely. know what we like when
1: it comes to paying off people, we're kings, kings at it, aren't we? So, yeah, yeah, well, we we love paying a manager off, so you know, we're no stranger to it, absolutely not. Yeah, um, you mentioned there about us potentially looking at targets, and I think, especially after Sunday, I know, yeah, I personally think he's he, he did his you know, he worked his bollocks off, but he ultimately didn't put the ball in the back of the net, which is his job. Um, we have been linked with Dion Charles from Bolton. Uh, now Bolton have been absolutely they've flown out the blocks, oh, they've been
0: uh, great the top of the they league,
1: aren't they? really, really have. You know, they beat Lincoln 3 0 on the opening day. Uh, they won 3 1 last night, I think. Yeah, it was 3 1 in the end. Yeah. Um, and that Adebejo got a hat trick, so the wrong striker. But Dion Charles scored 17 last season. Um, is this a move you could get the orange? you think he's, he's the type of player we need? Yeah, I th- do you know what I've I remember seeing
0: I didn't watch really too many games Bolton live last year. Obviously, mm. the lower leagues, not on TV as much. But from what I saw on highlights and stuff, he's he's a good he's a good goal scorer. He seems to score a bit like it looks a bit like Rhys He Scores long distance, scores headers, um, poaches goals as well. I think he got a couple of hat tricks last year. Um, if I remember rightly, if not two, definitely one, I remember him scoring. Um, So, yeah, he's definitely a player um, I'd welcome at the club. I mean, obviously, it's probably the right thing being linked with a player like that because, as you know, people work their way through the leagues, don't they? And he probably does need to step into the championship now. Mm. Um, So, yeah, no, I mean, it depends obviously how much... um, Obviously, they
1: want to him. But if he's within price range, then, yeah, definitely. Absolutely. And, you know, I I think it's so clear, especially after Sunday, for me personally, that we do need that number nine in. Just, I know we've got Healy. And, I mean, look, we won't talk about the Plymouth game because there's already been a podcast. You've given your thoughts and, and so are the other lads. But I just do not understand. And Healy's probably sitting there thinking the same why didn't throw him on for the last five or ten minutes? Because ultimately, you want someone in to, you know, push Bio. And it's, you know, it's it's you've got someone there who was a goal scorer last season, who's there willing to push Bio, and he's not using him. I mean, you mentioned there about Dion Charles, probably about ready to, to make the step up. He's 27 now. Um, Bolton signing from Accrington. And before that, he had a lot of stints in non-league, Southport. Uh, FC Halifax and AFC filed. So, you know, he he's scored goals at those levels, and it'd be interesting to see if there is any truth to it. If he does make the step up, then you know how he's going to fare at, at this level. Um, and and also as well, because uh, our guest has just uh, joined the the backstage, so we'll we'll add him in very shortly. I just want to get your thoughts on um, the news coming out about Sorry Kaba. You know, we so many times, well, so many weeks now we've been linked with him, and it sounded like it was possibly almost done, and then in the last minute, apparently Birmingham have come along, and they've agreed a deal, Um, although I've not heard anything since, but apparently they've agreed a deal. How much of a sucker punch is that, Joe? Because it sounded like it was so close, and then at the last hurdle, we we go and fall. Yeah, I mean... (laughs) Considering
0: there was what six clubs, I think they said that were linked with him. Mm. When I heard that we were front runners ahead of like West Brom, Leeds, of obviously, in my opinion, bigger clubs, um, and probably have got a bit more money than we have, I was surprised that we were linked ahead of them. Mm. Um, but yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm a little bit surprised to be honest because I know you've spoken a lot about Birmingham City in the, in the pre season and, and coming into the start of the season, but I actually wasn't aware that they had money there to chuck around
1: because they've been obviously doing free transfers, loan signings and so... Well, I think it's all part of this new takeover. They've had Tom Wagner oh. take over the American consortium, obviously. Tom Brady's been brought in as well on a, on a commercial front as well. So I think they yeah. do have the the, the, the finance there to, to splash about and um I, I suppose that if they want to get back up to the promised land in the Premier League, they're going to start throwing the weight around in the transfer market as well. I mean, personally, I think they've had probably one of the best um, transfer markets this season, uh, along with Stoke, funnily enough, um, which is a a, a nice little bridging, as we welcome Ben from the, uh, well, formerly from the YYY files, we... uh, We had a bit of a chat about uh, you possibly starting that back up. But Ben, thank you very much for joining us this evening. How are you doing, mate? It's been a a while since we spoke.
2: Yes, it has. Um, Yeah, I'm all right. I mean, the season started up again, so Mm. just the usual apprehension with Stoke, because you never know what what you're going to get. I mean, we should know by now. It's probably going to be 14th place, but we we, we never feel like we we know what we're going to get week by week. And it's that anxiety leading up to... 3pm on a Saturday once again.
1: Mm. Well, you mentioned there, obviously, the season has started again. Just want to touch on last season very quickly. You finished 16th in the end. I think it was nine points clear of, uh, of the drop. That's not me insinuating that I thought you were going to go down, but it was nine points in the end. How was your sum up last season?
2: Disappointing, certainly. Um, I think I, uh... <laughs> the club must have seen it that they were going to throw away the season. You know, mm. they give Michael O'Neill one more chance. They said, look, we've got a little bit of money to spend with FFP after the sale of Nathan Collins. Go and use it and, you know, give us a good start to the season. We didn't get it. You know, we were, oh, I don't know how many games we won on our first five, but it clearly wasn't enough because Michael O'Neill got sacked. And however premeditated it was, Alex Neil came in following his Sunderland team coming and beating us at home, literally, I think, the day after he came and joined Stoke. Um, and, you know, he was able to bring in one loan signing in Dujon Sterling, I think, um, during that window. I think he had a week left. So he must have been frustrated, but he was always looking at the bigger project anyway. Um, he was always looking at something like this summer that that has come around now, and knowing that 14 players went out the door and we're gonna to have to replace them all. Someone, some manager, somewhere is gonna, you know, with this sale, Harry Suit as well, had a little bit of a war chest to go right, build a squad in your image, and with, like I say, that 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 money in the wild card system and a complete gutting of the club from the inside out, where. We're a new stoke this season. What that will mean in terms of the end of the season, who knows? But we are, on the face of it, a completely new stoke.
0: Um, you were touching on uh, obviously getting money for some of the better players in the um, club. Obviously, uh, a lot of people are aware that there was debts of up to $160 million that you guys had at the club. Mm. Um, that's uh, been reduced significantly, apparently. How big a relief... As a Stoke City fan as is, is that this year? Honestly, I'm not fussed. <laughs> it's
2: it's it's strange because the hundred and sixty million was always due to the Coates, the Coates family bet three six five overspending anyway. And if it was any other club, I'd have thought we'd have gone into administration liquidation like Derby or Barry or something. But because it's the Coates family, they they made their mistake and they've they were always going to own up to it and pay it off. Um, as you said, 160 million, I think 120 that was written off completely, 40 million of that turned into more shares. Um, they they love the club, they absolutely love the club. From from John, who's the chairman now, to Peter, who was the chairman before him, you know, was chairman of Stoke twice since you know, I think like the mid 90s or so. Um, he. he, he it's not the 160 million that's been hanging over our heads. It's more the profit and sustainability rules. The fact that we couldn't lose more than is it like 33 million, 35 million over three seasons. We yeah. lost way more than that. I think when we signed 40 million worth of players in the summer, we came down. Tom Ints, uh, James McLean, <laughs> Peter Atebo, uh, Let me think. Uh, Ashley Williams, Kuka, Martina. Oh god, the list goes on of just so many poor signings, and we've been paying for that for the, for the last three years. There's nothing we could have done if we hadn't have sold the stadium, which we did just before the rules came in to say that, that doesn't count towards profit and sustainability. We really would have been in trouble. But that is just testament to what the owners are willing to do to, you know, to own up to their mistake where other owners wouldn't have done. That's not to excuse them the mistakes they have made, though.
1: One of those names you mentioned there just unlocked a, a deep memory, Peter Etterbo. Yeah, uh, what what yeah. could have been for him at Watford? But um, yeah, and I, I, it'd be interesting to get your thoughts on uh, on Ince uh, in in a bit as well. So, um, um, a man you've already mentioned, Alex Neal. He's the man in charge, as you say. He come in twenty eighth of August uh, last year. He's managed forty six matches, winning sixteen of those, drawing ten, and losing twenty. What's the feel around the place on the job he's done at the moment?
2: I think that record sort of sums it up, right? Yeah. You know, that 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 record is very meh. It's, mm. it's very 16th place, isn't it, I suppose? Um, yeah, I, like I say, last season was a bit of a write-off. And don't be wrong, I think even he was hoping for a little bit more of a impetus improvement, you know... I don't think he expected to lose quite so many games, but I think he in turn underestimated how much of a mess we were in when he arrived. Um, you know, the players we had um, not, not only did they, you know, not, not really suit any system apart from Michael O'Neill's three, five, two. Um, hence, hence we, we had so many players and yet no squad depth when we were having players injured. Um, he said that there was just a f- feel of the club being a bit stale Um you, you know, the club had had, I say, had um, a lot of employees that have been around for decades, um, and that's great in terms of loyalty. And and you know, they all come from the local areas. so um, you know what you're going to get with that. But things needed a shake up, particularly after five years of you know really poor football. Um, and and so we've we've modernised. You know, it looks like we're using a lot more uh, analysis in our data now um for for signing players. It looks like we're exploring foreign markets, which we never would have done before. I know the wildcard rules come in to help with that, but I think we've only used one of those so far and we brought in quite a few from abroad. Um and just different people off the pitch and the club and the club does feel like it's doing its best to be better. I think they're a long way off still, but but they are making inroads to being Better being a bit more empathetic towards supporters, rather than just saying, "Oh, we think we're going up this season." They realise what's going on now, and they realise mm-hmm. the frustration and the apathy around the place, which I'm sure you guys will be, you know, more than related to as well. Um, yeah. But we, uh, the owner, needed help around him, um, and he's finally recruited some, and it's paying off.
0: Brilliant. Um, obviously, you mentioned that like, these new new people come in. Uh, obviously, at the club this season, eleven signings have been made overall, um, I believe, and ten people have left, ten players left the club in the summer as well. Mm. Um, what sparked the start of the clear out? Would you say crap football?
2: <laughs> 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 in all honesty, um, what sparked it? Like I say, we um, had to cut our cloth quite carefully over the last three years with free transfers and loans. Um, you know, we had, I think, seven lone players last season. You can only name five in a match day squad. Mm-hmm. Um, we had loads of free transfers, a lot of ageing players, a lot of younger players. Um, A lot of those, young and old, have been released from their contracts, not been given new ones. Um, and it does look like Stoke have lined all their ducks in a row, such that players like, you know, to his credit, Phil Jagielka, did, did, did a decent job when he was here, but he was 40 years old, we were never going to continue with him. Um, players like, oh, I don't know, Stephen Fletcher, um, Aidan Flint, or Morgan Fox, you know, all all these players had contracts, and they were all just set to expire all at once, and that's because we knew that this would be the year where we'd, we'd be able to rebuild properly. Um, and as you say, 11 signings, and I don't think that there's any one of them that Stoke fans are going to particularly complain about from the offset. There were some like you knew, like you know, when Aiden Flint signed, everybody went, "Oh my God, what? Why are we bothering with him?" You know, he was just a stopgap. Um, maybe Ender Stevens is the exception to that rule, being a little bit of an older player, but you need them in there. Um, mm-hmm. The the rest look to be either you know good squad depth or genuinely a huge improvement on the starting eleven, um, and. From from whispers within the club because of the players we've sold in recent seasons, we sold Jacob Brown as well this summer. Um, I imagine that'll be for a decent profit. Mm-hmm. Um, there's money in the bank still, you know. We we've not spent much money on transfer fees. I think it's only going to be, you know, it would be less than five, maybe around five million. I reckon there's
1: another five in there, easy. I think I read uh, on. I was doing a bit of research before the podcast tonight. And uh, I often use the TransferMarkt uh, website, and I think it said that the incomings had sort of equated to 6 million.
0: Mm, um, but right. in terms
1: of what you've you've sold, you've recouped decent fees. I mean, like you said, Jacob Brown going to that, like down the road's probably given a bit of a, a boost in the bank account as well, definitely. Um, in terms of, obviously, the, the all these new signings that have come in, I, I, as I mentioned just before you, you come into a, into the podcast, I think... Stoke and Birmingham have probably had probably the best windows in in the division, in in my opinion, anyway. Who would you say your danger man is? Who should Watford look out for as as we turn our attentions to to the game on on Saturday? I mean, one man for me already who I think looks, you know, decent is at Vidigal. Mm -hmm. I think you got him from Portugal. Mm -hmm. Uh, He looks a real handful. Is there anyone in particular, whether they're new or an existing player, that, that Watford should look out for?
2: I mean, you'll know Ben Wilmot and you'll know how good of a player he is, right? Mm. Um, He's been given that time at Stoke to really develop. Um, I think he's been here for two years now and he is all that probably Watford were hoping for when they had him in the first place and let him go now. Um, He will go for, I'm sure, more than Nathan Collins did, more than Harry Suter did one day. You know, he's a great player, great centre-back and he will be in the Premier League in a couple of seasons, whether it's for Stoke or not. Um, Having said that, there's The attack looks dangerous, as you mentioned. Andre Vidigal's got two, three goals in his first three games. Can't grumble at that, really. Um, Wesley has... <laughs> it's an interesting signing because it, he's not been brought in for goals, really. But um, we played Ipswich last weekend and, mm. by all accounts, we were dire for the first half an hour. Um, but we had three quite small, jinky forwards up front. So we had Vidigal... Uh, Ryan May and we had Chiquinho. Chiquinho was hooked after half an hour, not necessarily because of his performance, um, just because we needed to change things up. And we stopped Wesley up front, and that was our plan B, and we looked much better with that. Um, and I think rather than pinpoint somebody in particular, it's that fluidity of the front men that will help us this season. Alex Neal said he wanted options. Um, last season, we basically had Tyrese Campbell, Jacob Brown and Dwight Gale as forwards for the whole of the second half of last season. And he plays a 4-3-3. So they all played every minute of every game until mm-hmm. Jacob Brown got injured and then we really were in trouble. So it's nice to have options. It's nice to have diverse set of players as well. Um, and I mean, if you're looking for a player to watch out for, Ben Pearson's going to snap somebody. I guarantee you that.
0: Um, talking of obviously Danger Men and obviously we were just talking about um, who you thought your Danger Men were looking at Watford's squad um, and who we've um, brought in this season, who do you see as a threat to Stoke City at the weekend? In all honesty I'm not quite sure what Watford's squad is
2: shaping up like because it looks (laughs) like a few players have left and you've signed a couple of players and yet with Watford it's always players that very few you've actually recognised from past. You know, Ishmael Assar was was you know someone that that I knew from the French league before he joined Watford. But a lot of fans wouldn't have heard of him. Same as people like Bios. Same as same as people like Ken Semmer, right? You know, players that uh, fans of English football probably go, "Who who's he?" And then some of them turn out to do really well, mm-hmm. and some of them end up like Dwight Gale. Um, <laughs> honestly. I really don't know. Um, I can only speak for two players that
1: that we've had at the club. Is uh, is Dan Batman still with you? Is he still your number one? He he is. He's uh he's finding it a bit tough. You you might actually pinpoint him as your best player to be honest at the moment. He's, oh uh, really? He's being asked to play out from the back, and unfortunately <laughs> for Dan, he's uh that's not his his strength. But at the end of the day, he's being asked to play that way, and he will keep doing so until he's told otherwise. So yeah, Batman's still there, and Obviously, yeah. I, I'd imagine you're about to mention Tom Ince. We've not seen anything of him yet.
2: No, um, and I'm not surprised because we didn't at four years at Stoke. Um, <laughs> he, he's a confidence player, right, Tom Uh um, Well,
1: tell us. what, what should, we, we, we do a podcast. Um, we do like a little feature uh, called The Lowdown and we had a Reading fan on and he spoke brilliantly of him. But let's flip this, you know, flip the coin here and Tell us your experience of Tom Ince and and what it's like to have him at, at your club.
2: If Tom Ince gets his way, he's a good mm-hmm. player. <laughs> so, you know, Gary Rowett signed him, spent a lot of money on him, spent 12, 13 million quid on him, I think, when we came down. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know what? He was good. You know, he mm-hmm. played on the right wing. He looked dangerous. He was high in confidence and manageable in him and, you know, played really well. Guy Rao got sacked after four months. Um <laughs> Nathan Jones came in um and and didn't play with wingers and played in as a you know a, a number 10 essentially. Um and he didn't really want to play there. His dad was very vocal about Nathan Jones's crap football. Um <laughs> as it transpired, he did get sacked after ten months. Um Michael O'Neill came in and didn't have any time for anyone that caused any trouble. Um so it got thrown in the bin pretty quickly, yeah. um, and he was, you know, other other younger players, players of lesser ability, were certainly preferred to him, um, and it made complete sense why he went to Reading to play for his dad, um, because no wonder they got the best out of him, right? And no wonder he dropped off when his dad left as well. Mm. Um, it'll be interesting to see what what happens to him now, <laughs> because. I, if he starts well, he may well be a, quite an important player for you because he's, he's yeah. you know, he. Everybody remembers the old comments. He was absolutely fabulous, um, but say if he doesn't start for a few games, say if his, you know, confidence is low heading into the first ten games of the season, you won't see him. You'll, you know, you'll
1: he, he'll be out at the end of the season. I guarantee you. It's quite interesting to hear. I mean, at the moment, I believe he's injured. I don't know, Joe. Have you heard if he's due to come back this week or? Yeah, I was, to... um, obviously, you know, I was in hospitality at the weekend, wasn't I? Yeah. And
0: uh, someone, um, someone mentioned up there that um, they'd heard that they were targeting the Blackburn game as his comeback. So yeah, not That's this right. weekend, but next weekend. So yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's a little bit too soon for him this weekend. Mm. I don't know. Maybe if he's a bit ahead of schedule, he could make the bench of the weekend as a surprise, perhaps. Mm. If not, then yeah. Hopefully, we see him at some point towards the end of the month.
1: Yeah, I think they've said this week we could be seeing the first of Jamal Lewis, um, which will uh, which will be interesting if if that is the case. If he comes straight in, um, Watford have only lost one of the last six games in all competitions against Stoke. You have to go back to 2017 um, to see the the last time that Stoke beat Watford at uh, at the Britannia. Um, what how are you feeling about this one? You you you're feeling confident because you've you've had an all right start. I know you lost to Ipswich the other day, but you, you know that that's nothing to be bogged down about. They're a bloody strong team at home. Uh, and then obviously you won in the cup against West Brom, I believe. Uh, and then you had uh, a good win against Rotherham uh the first game of the season. So how are you feeling going into it?
2: I don't know. I never know. <laughs> I honestly never know. Um I, w- I, think it'll be very much dependent on which squad gels first in the game, which 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 squad understands the manager's instructions the best. Um, you know, I've been talking from a Stoke point of view. Um, they didn't really, you know, get the memo against Ipswich. I, you know, it Ipswich were good, but. Stoke players did not play well. You know, mm. it it it's not often that Josh Laurent comes out and says that he he played poorly and he apologises. Now it was hardly you know a, an embarrassing defeat, um, but but he admitted that his standards weren't good enough and neither were the rest of the players. So you know, if they'd have stepped up, it might have been a different story against Ipswich. Um, at home, I there is a sense of buoyancy about Stoke at the moment. Um, the fans are, you know, certainly more op- optimistic and less apathetic than they were. So hopefully the atmosphere will help them kick on a little bit. Um, hopefully people will come back from their holidays to be able to go and watch it. I certainly won't be. I'll be on holiday for the game, which is <laughs> ironic. Um, I, yeah, I, uh, I wonder whether... I, I just wonder who is going to shine, who is going to mm. come through. Is it going to be Vidigal again? Is he going to be able to score again? Is it going to be, you know, is, is, is McNally going to come in? Luke McNally going to come in for his first game? We don't know, really. Um, is Wesley going to start up front? Is it going to be my up front? There's, there's a plethora of options. And because of that, because of the unpredictability of the Stoke squad, like, it's hard to be extremely confident. It's easy to be hopeful. It's really easy to be hopeful, look at all these new signings and uh, the potential they all have. But it's really hard to have that concrete belief at the moment, especially as I said, over the last few years have been so poor. Um, having said that, I think this is probably a good matchup in terms of two teams who, you know, had had poor seasons last year, um, had a little bit of a reset. Um, you know, for us it, it'll feel like a new manager. You guys, well, <laughs> it always feels like you've got a new manager, right? Um but this'll be two teams who, you know who will be looking at their owning games and think, you know, if we win a few here, we might hit the targets that we haven't been able to hit in previous seasons. Um, I think we've got matchup. I really do. I think it'd be a good matchup and very, very hard to call. I wouldn't put this in your acres. It's going to be a hard one.
0: Well, I just want to mention, we're still the only team left in the championship yet to concede a goal this weekend. So hopefully uh, we make it tough. Like mm. we have done for uh, QPR and Plymouth so far. So, be interesting um but uh so something we always uh ask guests um that come on is uh, predictions for the season so who do you think will be the three teams that go up this year from the championship to automatic and then by the playoffs
2: this has been changing like day by day as transfers come in as players leave as players come you know as games have been played um I sort of believe in what Leicester are doing a little bit. And again, that that is more of a of a feeling than than, than anything else. They have got good players. Um, you know, they've lost their two big stars, I think, but they will keep enough. And I think they'll probably win the league. Um, I was hopeful about Middlesbrough, but I'm not so sure anymore. Mm. Um, you know, the door might open for Southampton here. Um, Ipswich, I, I tell you, a lot of people are planning on them or or, or think that they'll go up. Am I the only one that possibly thinks that you know if 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 McKenna really does really well by Christmas, he's he, he's going to get poached, and you know <laughs> if Switch are going to be back at square one, you know mm-hmm. I it, it, it might be that sort of season where you know Luton had with Nathan Jones, sorry guys, um, <laughs> <laughs> you know like when um you know when they were doing well and Stoke poached him and they sort of stuttered with Graham Jones, they 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 did hit the jackpot I know last season, but you know it can it can hurt a team. Um, losing manager like like a QPR last season. Look at how they've yeah, dropped off. Yeah, um, oh, and, I, and I'm saying all this because I'm really sitting on the fence. I don't know who's going to go. I'm going to go Leicester, Southampton, and let's say Borough find a couple of signings. They need some, but I think hmm. they'll find a couple.
0: I, I don't know. You know what? I, I called them, they were my playoff team to go up this season, but I've watched them the first couple of games this season and. I think the the loss of Pom now, um, yeah. obviously, they've not got Archer. There's a lot of talk about Archer going on loan to a Premier League club, so I don't think he's going to end up going back there. I don't know if they're going to get have that same quality as what they did last season, so mm. I've, I've, I think I might have um, got a bit premature with that one. I think they, mm. they might finish mid-table this year, after what uh, I've seen. I,
2: I think that's fair assessment, to be fair, I, yeah. You know, I am um, i don't really want to say Coventry because, uh, you know, I live local and I work even more local and I, I, it, it'd be, it, be blaspheme for me to, you know, <laughs> say that they're going to do
1: well. Yeah, I, I think a lot of people had Middlesbrough quite high up in their uh, the prediction tables. Uh, funnily enough, you mentioned Coventry. I watched them against Coff the other day and they just looked derelict of any ideas. You can tell that not having Palm, Archer, as you've mentioned, Ramsey as well, they, they were the real real sort of jigsaw pieces to, to finish the final masterpiece for him last season. So, I put them third in mine. I didn't have them winning the playoffs, but I put them third. But I'd imagine they'll finish quite low. And you never know. It's it's a rough old business nowadays, football management. All Carrick needs to do is not win for another three or four games. He could be looking at, you know, the yeah. the, the boot, really. So, it could be yeah, interesting. So the other day uh, yeah. This one might be a little bit more easy. I don't know. Who's your three to go down?
2: Uh, Rather than QPR and Sheffield Wednesday. Yeah, much easier. Um, Sheffield Wednesday, I'm just not bothered by them. They they, they haven't seemed to have signed particularly well. Um, You you guys know the manager better than me, um, but certainly seems, probably rode the wave a little bit with the quality of Watford squad. Um, you know, role and actually being able to do the business, particularly with a team that's you know not not strong enough for this league. Mm-hmm. Rather, have lost too many players. Oh, I said that last season when they come up, so they mm-hmm. might pull it out. QPR, did they win at the weekend? Uh, I How
1: I don't know. But yeah. yes, this is <laughs> the thing.
2: This is the thing. They 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 will claw enough points to not be absolutely dreadful, but ah, Gareth Ainsworth will go, and then. Uh, surely they can't have much money to bring another manager in because, you know, they've they they, they they've had a fair bit of turnover. So, I don't know. It, it, I can't see a way out for them. Yeah.
1: But. I've I've gone the exact same bottom three. Like QPR, obviously, we had such a strong start against them this, uh, at the start of this season. They've got to be probably one of the worst teams I've seen come to Vicarage Road for a long, long time. Uh, and we've had to watch Watford there for the last three seasons, so <laughs> it's quite a quite a low bar to beat, and uh, they mm-hmm. they bloody well did it. So, yeah, I, I I think a lot of people will be saying those three. Uh, and Cisco, I love him to bits, but like you said, he sort of he he rode the wave a little bit, and his uh, his tactical now is as as strong as it should be for someone managing at this level. Unfortunately, I know that sounds harsh, but that that, that is the way that it is. Um, And then finally, uh, last question um, about the game again on Saturday. Um, What's your score prediction?
2: Okay. I don't think it's going to be a 4-0 again. Um, I think that we have improved significantly on last season. Um, Mm -hmm. I do think you're going to lose your clean Um, sheets. But I still think there's work to do at the back. I'm going to go
1: 2-2. Okay. That'd be... That'd be an interesting one. And to be fair, Joe, I don't know about you. Would you take a draw now, considering it's the first away game?
0: Yeah, I was literally just thinking in my head. I'd take a. I would take a two-all draw before you mm-hmm. come out I probably would go two-two. Even though obviously, like I say, we touched on the fact that we hadn't conceded. I do think, like I say, going forward, you do look a, a lot stronger this year. Um, so far, so yeah. I, I would. If someone offered me that now, I'd one hundred percent take it.
1: Yeah, I think the thing that worries me is uh, is that chap up top, like I mentioned, that Vidigal, and uh, and Backman trying to play out from the back. You know, if they've, you mentioned there against Ipswich, you had sort of three quite fast the, the attacking line. It was small, faster sort of attacking players, and they get on the end of one of Backman's misplaced passes, and you know they they could be in for a, a fun afternoon in Stoke. So. I think that does worry me a little bit, but I'd I'd absolutely take a, uh, I'd take a two to a draw now, to be honest. Uh, but thank you very much for joining us tonight, Ben. We really do appreciate it. Uh, and I'm sure we'll speak for the reverse fixture. But other than the two games against us, we wish you all the best for the season. Yeah, definitely. Um, and yeah, thank you very much for coming on, mate.
2: You're welcome. All the best, lads.
1: Take all care, well. Ben. Cheers, Bye. mate. So... Just before we wrap it up, uh, I just want to talk about team selection. Really, Job. Obviously, we've uh, we've seen pretty much the same sort of starting eleven, uh, bar a couple of changes through injury and the cup goalkeeper. Do you expect that to be very much the same heading into Stoke? Is there any changes you would make based on what you've seen so far? Or um, I probably would keep the team the same. Um... Would you bring Jamal Lewis in
0: for for James Morris? Oh, it's a really tough one because I was really impressed with him at the weekend. Um, I mentioned at the weekend there was a few times where he got a little bit wayward with his positioning and he kept drifted inwards into, towards the centre of the pitch, which left that side exposed a little bit a, t- a couple of times. However, going forward, his link-up play with Martins was brilliant, um, I thought. So I, on that basis, at the moment, I'd keep him. Um but then I don't, you know, you never know what the manager's thinking. Like Lewis could be doing an amazing job in training, and he's thinking I'm just going to bring him straight in, and he deserves to come straight in the, the side, so he could earn it that way. But I would expect maybe I think from last season, I think when Morris was taken out of the side uh, at times, he was brought off at halftime, wasn't he? Mm. And then we didn't see him again the next game. So I think if if he starts at the weekend, if he comes off at halftime or early second half. For Lewis, then that may be how he Lewis gets integrated into the side. Um, but other than that, um, I'd maybe like to see Kone start. You know, because I thought he did really well at the weekend when he came on. His range of passing was brilliant, um, yeah. spraying the ball everywhere all over the pitch. So, um, so yeah. Other than that, I'd probably stick with the same same side.
1: Yeah, I mean, you know, especially if we, you know, it sounds like we don't know who we're we going to be up against in terms of that attack. You know, Ben mentioned there that they switched it up against Ipswich because it wasn't working. And I think that battle could be interesting. You know, Wesley, someone we were linked with, uh, big commanding forward up against Wesley Hoot and Ryan Porteous. That could be an absolute ding-dong battle, really, and yeah. sort of... A bit of a throwback in terms of the football that Stoke fans are used to watching, certainly. Yeah. Um, so that that could prove an interesting test. I think, like I mentioned there just before Ben left, I'm a little bit worried about, you know, the 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 attacking prowess they've got and the sort of small, jinky, fast players. You know, if they latch onto the end of one of these sort of back passes from Backman and he, he's sort of dicking about again. You know, we, we got let off against Plymouth, but if we carry on doing that, we'll not get let off against a, a lot of teams in, in this division. No. So I think that does worry me. Um, But are, are you happy with him continuing? And listen, I suppose the only way that you're going to get better at, at, at it is if you, you keep doing it, I suppose, isn't it?
0: Yeah. Um. Obviously, you touched on um uh, the weekend about how he's, he's kicking and stuff. And obviously, we mentioned uh, obviously on Saturday, uh, sorry, on Sunday when we did the podcast, you know, there was one opportunity that was kicked out and went straight to a Plymouth player and had it been a better player that had picked the ball up, he would have been logged and we would have been a goal down. Yeah. Um, so like you say, there is that worry that if he tries something like that again, um, that Stoke have got quality players, that that probably will end up being a, go- a goal. Um, but yeah, like you say, he... Um, He is only going to get better. I will still back him. I mean, Mm -hmm. it is a new system for him and he's got to learn a lot. Um, And I do hope that, uh, like I say, I was frustrated at the weekend and I did shout a few things um, (laughs) towards him at the weekend. But I do, you know, overall, I want to get on board with it and him. And I hope that he does improve as time goes on. And I think, like I say, he, he will only get better. I don't think he can get any worse than what he was on Saturday.
1: Yeah, well, fingers crossed it does get better and fingers crossed that we'll be on this podcast on Sunday evening talking about a, a Watford win or at least another game where we haven't lost in the league because it's going to be a tough game. I think we know under, under no illusion, I know I pointed out there that we've got a, recently got a good record against Stoke but it's still a very tough place to go. And it sounds like they're going through a bit of a similar transition to ourselves, you know, getting rid of the deadwoods, bringing in new players, uh, the ownership are sort of maybe getting on board a bit more and they're trying to sort of um, reach out to their fans and, and be a bit more connected on that side. So there's a few similarities. So I'm sure the, the Bet365 Stadium will be uh, slowly getting back to its best as, you know, it wasn't long ago people were saying it was... It was one of the loudest stadiums in the Premier League. And I think they actually measured it, that it was louder than a pneumatic drill. That were, How that has stayed in my memory, I do not know. So, yeah, under no illusion, it'll be a tough game. But hopefully we can come away unscathed and, and not beaten or bruised too badly. And, uh, yeah, it's uh, it's going to be interesting. But thank you very much for, for listening, watching tonight. Or if you're listening back to it, listening, uh, please do let us know your thoughts. Uh, And like I said, we'll be back on Sunday evening to talk about the game. Uh, Not sure quite yet who's going to be there, whether it's going to be me, Ben, Cam, Joe or Katie. uh, But there'll be a tweet out to mention who's going to be on it. But yeah, thank you very much for for tuning in tonight. Don't forget to hit the like button. Don't Don't forget to hit the subscribe button and stay safe and come on yawns. Oh, 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 oh oh, 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 oh
2: Network.